0: Hello, mamas. I am Carrie. I'm the founder of The Mama Coach, a registered nurse, a lactation consultant, and I am so, so pumped because we have a really an an incredible woman on the podcast today and she's sharing about something that is just, you know, so dear to my heart and I think it's Just such a service for so many moms and so many families. And so I'd like to welcome Jeanette Festival to the podcast. And she works with the Northern Stars Mother's Milk Bank. So welcome, Jeanette.
1: Welcome, Carrie. It's very nice to be here today.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for coming. And so let's start with what is the Northern Star Mother's Milk Bank?
1: Um, Northern Star Mother's Milk Bank is just exactly how it sounds. It's a milk bank, and it's a human milk bank, so it's human milk that is meant for babies, human babies. And the purpose of the milk bank is to provide sick babies in the neonatal intensive care units with the life-saving benefits of human milk. Um, And this is provided if their own mom is not able to breastfeed Um, And why they may not be able to breastfeed is uh, many of these moms are sick themselves and they can't produce the milk. Uh, And there are situations where babies are not uh, well when they were born and may need um, initially a few or or larger volumes of milk than what mom can provide. So this is where the milk bank steps in and provides uh, supplements baby uh, until mom's own milk comes in.
0: Wow, that's incredible. And so what is your role at the at the Milk Bank, Jeanette?
1: Well, I'm the executive director and the co-founder of the Milk Bank, and I basically uh, make sure that the Milk Bank is operating safely and within um, all the regulations that regulate us. And, um, and just overall, um, you know, we're not a large uh, operation. So I step in where needed. And um, so it could be pasteurizing, it could be screening a mom, it could be raising funds. So I wear, you know, as anybody who runs a small business knows, you wear very many hats.
0: Right, exactly. And you guys are located in Calgary, correct?
1: We are, we are physically located in Calgary, but we send, um, our milk all across Canada and sometimes to other countries such as the United States, um, India, Bahamas. So we've, we've shipped all over and it's just where it's needed. Wow. And
0: I noted that you, because we have listeners all across North America, that you guys are a part of the Human Milk Banking Association of North America. So if somebody was looking for a, mail, a milk bank, they mm-hmm. could go to the website and I'll tag it here in the show notes so that um, they, they can find a location closest to them.
1: Yeah, that would be a great idea, Carrie. So um, as you mentioned, our governing body, our professional organization is called HIMBANA is the acronym. Okay. It's it's the Human Milk Banking Association of North America. And there's approximately uh, 26 milk banks in the United States and there's three HIMBANA milk banks in Canada. And we all are in communication with each other, and we all operate under the same guidelines. So if uh, the milk bank, there's three in Canada, there's one in Vancouver, there's ourselves and in Calgary, and there's also the Rogers-Hickson Milk Bank in, and Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto. Okay. And so we we know if one milk bank is short that we can call up another milk bank and say if you have extra we could sure use it. So the milk does can move around.
0: Oh interesting. And so let's let's start from the beginning of the process. So where do you get your milk?
1: Our milk comes from our donor mothers and um and they come from all across Canada, uh, approximately 90% uh, of our donors come from within Alberta, and okay, we have Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and the East Coast. We typically don't move donors from provinces that have their own milk banks. We really encourage to donate to their own milk bank and okay. um, these are healthy moms who have a baby under one year of age,
0: okay, and so what does it take to be a donor? So maybe there's a mama listening who is thinking about it. What's the
1: process? Well, the process is, is first um, we, we invite moms to go onto our website and review. We have five wonderful videos there on becoming a donor, explaining what a milk bank is and various other uh, uh, little videos, but it she can see if she would qualify to be a donor. It's, you know, becoming a milk donor, we do the same testing as if mom was donating milk, or I'm sorry, donating blood. Okay. And yeah, so it's the exact same uh, blood test. So we test for HIV, we test for hepatitis B, C, syphilis, and something called HTLV 1 and 2. So the mom would need to uh, be tested for that. But the first first things that that she needs to consider is if she's in good general health and she's breastfeeding and she's pumping her hand, expressing some of her milk. Um, We want her baby to be less than a year of age. And the reason being is the milk changes. There's slight differences from when she first had her baby to when her baby's at, say, 10, 11, 12 months of age. There there are minor differences. They're mainly in micronutrients. So the macronutrients, the fat, the protein, and the carbohydrates are all great. But if we're feeding a 24-weeker in the NICU, we prefer to have milk that is actually closer to that baby's age. So... uh, so so that's why we, we need to put a limit. So we do put a limit of one year. And she's willing to have the, the five blood tests um, to rule out certain diseases. And she's not regularly using uh, medications, certain medications and herbal supplements. Um, there are some medications she can use. There are some antidepressants, things like Synthroid and insulin. These are medications that bring your body back up to normal. Um, where they should be, um, those are fine to take. But she can certainly call the milk bank to to see if the medication she's on is fine. Um, herbal supplements, um, we don't. Um, there is a there is a waiting period if she's taking uh, things, uh, maybe fenugreek. Mm-hmm. to ink- milk production. And the reason we defer these moms, we don't defer them indefinitely, but we defer them for a certain waiting period. It's because we don't know the effects carry of of the medications or the herbs on little babies. So um, because the studies haven't been done, we just don't, for safety reasons, we don't use that milk. Okay. Um, so the mom uh, cannot smoke um, or use cannabis products of any kind, and also, um, unfortunately, we have to rule out moms that have spent more than three months in the UK, France, or Saudi Arabia, and that is because of Creutzfeldt-Jakob uh, disease. And okay. There's there's a little bit of a hangover from when uh, when there was mad cow disease uh, originated over in europe and so we are still very cautious the the actual uh pre it's a prion it's a virus can live in your body for up to 40 50 years and so we defer those moms but those moms know who they are because they can't donate blood as well right and um sorry go ahead
0: no, no, I was just going to say that that mad cow disease, I feel like that was many years ago. But I guess if it if it can live on for 40 or 50 years, it makes sense why you have to have those regulations.
1: And it's a, it's, it's a theoretical risk. So mm-hmm. it's never been proven, but um, because it can be uh, passed through tissue and human milk is considered a tissue, we do defer those mums indefinitely. Okay. And um and we ask moms to donate a minimum of four and a half liters. And for those of you in the in the United States, that's about hundred and fifty ounces. So that's like a grocery bag full. So obviously, you know, we don't and the reason we do that is because the first time we pasteurize a mom, we we test her. So we test her milk to see if she carries diseases, if she carries um certain bacteria that are pasteurization process can't destroy. And um, so we do that the first time. And then the next time we will pool her with two other moms um, just to get a better nutrient cross section. And so you can see just the cost of doing all that. Um, We try to get a little bit larger donation.
0: Okay. So mom freezes her milk until she meets the, the minimum amount, which you said was how much again?
1: um Four, and a, half four liters. and a half liters yeah so most moms okay. will pump uh three four five ounces at home um some pump one or two liters a day at home and so on average it probably takes um a mom about a month um to collect that minimum donation and uh, we just ask that they do that within the the until the baby reaches one year of age
0: wow that is incredible and so they bring in this milk and you said this is interesting to me so a baby is going to receive you know kind of a mixture a combination of more than one one mom's milk right is that what you said wow cool okay and so you you what are the steps like pasteurization so mom drops off her milk and, and you test the milk itself And then what happens?
1: So what happens, um, Carrie, is she'll bring in her milk. And the first thing we do, her milk is dated by the um, day that she pumped. And so what we do is we sort it according to dates. And then we group it into small deposits of 50 ounces or one and a half liters. And the milk actually has an expiry date on it from one year from the date it was pumped. So if she pumped it, you know, May 1st, 2018, then it'll expire May 1st, 2019. So we're always cognizant of when that milk will expire. So if there's three mums in a pool, um, the oldest milk will set the expiry date for that pool. So, um, So we sort it by date. We group it into these deposits, and then we barcode it, and then it goes into our freezers, Um, when uh, and then we pasteurize according to the oldest milk so we have a computer program timeless barcode system which tells us when the milk you know or where the oldest milk is so we will take that and we will group her with two other mums we analyze the mums for fat and protein and calorie content of her milk and then what we do is we make sort of we make mixtures of milk to make sure what's going to the NICU is at least 20 kilocalories per ounce and one gram of protein because we know that's what grows babies the best. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so you can imagine if you've got a one or a two-pound baby and they're only taking 10 mils, Every two hours, you want to make sure that it's it's a little bit higher uh, calorie milk, so by mixing some lower some higher, we can get a more consistent blend for for the babies in the NICU
0: Wow, that is a science so you you essentially have a like you were telling me off air that you know people can come and you have a big viewing window. is that the case yeah. like can people yeah. see the process?
1: Yes, we do we do lots of tours every day and uh especially to our donors because we want them to be um aware and just transparent of what's happening with their milk and the process is quite interesting and uh, so they can come here we give them tours and uh they last about half an hour and our staff are more than happy they're we're just very proud of this location and and what's transpired And, um, yes, we we let them come in and do that. Some moms actually like to help uh, log in their milk, sort their milk out, log it, barcode it. So if they want to do that, we'll set up a time where they can come in and do that as well.
0: Wow. And so who regulates this?
1: So we're regulated by several bodies. So um, as we talked about, Himbana. Uh, the Human Milk Banking Association of North America. They set her guidelines on how we are to operate. So that the type of testing we do, how it's done, when the milk has to go out, um, the questions um, for the moms for the donor screening. So when a mom first uh, wants to become a donor, the first thing she does is go to her website and if she thinks she'd make a good donor, then she would call us and, or fill out a form online and we'll call her and then we go through the screening process. That takes about 20 minutes and, um, and then we'll send her a donor package. But anyways, all the questions within that donor package are um, certain questions that each milk bank in North America has to ask. And again, this is just to maximize the safety of the milk. And um, so we have Himbana, then we have Canada Foods Inspection Agency. So we are open up to inspection by them anytime, and we have been inspected by them. And um, as well, Health Canada. And we work within um, our own provincial um, uh, healthcare system, Alberta Health Services. So our doors are open to them, and then also we have to take some pretty intense food safety courses because um, human milk is, cl- even though it's a tissue, it's classified as a food, and so we take some pretty extensive training on that as well. So that's wow. who are regulated by, yes.
0: Wow, but you know, I I feel like that is just so. It's such an important piece because moms need to know that their babies are, are receiving milk that's safe, right? And you're checking all of those boxes to
1: ensure that, correct? Exactly. It's, um, it's very important that they know it is safe. Um, the milk that we dispense before we actually, once it's been tested or, or pasteurized and tested, then it goes to a third-party lab And they actually test uh, a bottle or two sometimes of milk, and they will grow cultures over 48 hours. And if nothing, if there is no bacteria that grows from these cultures, then we know we can dispense the milk uh, for babies uh, to digest. And, um, yeah, so we just really, you know, if you can imagine, if you've got a baby in the neonatal intensive care unit and they're immunocompromised, we have to be very careful that what they eat um, does not cause them to become ill. Uh, milk um, for these babies is very healing, but yes. if it's contaminated, it could be very dangerous as well.
0: Right, but I appreciate all of those hoops that you jump through to serve you know these babies, and and I'm sure moms are just so appreciative to to be able to have this service. How long have you guys been around?
1: We've actually uh, been in operations just for seven and a half years. So we were the first uh, in 1985. There were 1984. There were um, 22 milk banks across Canada. They were smaller ones in hospitals, and oftentimes just serving their own hospital. But with the onset of the AIDS virus in 1985, they all closed down overnight. Oh, okay. We were the first milk bank um, in Canada to open since uh, when they all closed down. And the Vancouver Milk Bank managed to stay open, but... You know, some they pasteurize very, very small amounts and sometimes just of mom's own milk. And we were the first to open uh, since then. And we're community-based milk banks. So what that means is that we don't belong to a hospital. We're independent and we are run as a charity. And so okay. what that does is we can accept financial donations and write tax receipts. But what it also does, it helps keep the cost of the milk uh Uh, lower and um, because it is it is fairly expensive and we just want to make it accessible for everybody
0: right and you can understand why when you just share when you've just shared the process with us right like there's a it's a science I'm sure to keep your facility up and running you know there's a lot of costs that come along with that and so people can donate directly to you if is that you do you rely a lot on funding and 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 charities?
1: We do and uh so we do on our website we actually have a donate button and uh and if you don't mind I'm just going to throw in that for until Sunday every dollar that's donated will be matched 50% by the Shaw Charity Classic which is a big golf tournament here in Calgary every year. Oh and cool. Yeah, but they find lots of funders for us, and they and they actually support all children's charities within Alberta. But we do depend, and if, if moms can't afford the price of the milk, then we will go and find her a financial donor um, wow. that will ensure her baby gets milk. That is okay. needed.
0: Wow, that you guys are an incredible resource, and, and it's right here in Calgary, which is which is something. So, you you mentioned um you send out a kit to moms once um they've started the the donor process or the process on becoming a donor. So is include what's included in that kit?
1: So um, what's included in there, Carrie? It's um, it's another um questionnaire and what it does is it gives mom the chance to sometimes when we're screening moms on the phone they have children in the background and there's a lot of distractions so by sending this questionnaire after it just gives them uh, a chance to sit down in the privacy of their home when maybe their kids are sleeping or busy and a chance to answer the questionnaire and many of the it's many of the same questions and it's additional questions. So they would send that back to us. Um, We require that they have forms signed by their um, family physician, their midwife or nurse practitioner, just to say, I know Carrie, Uh, for example, I know Carrie and she's in good health and she's not taking medications that would interfere with her donating milk. So that will come back and then she will have blood tests done, and we will um, get those sent to us, or we can actually access them as well on NetCare. And, um, yeah, and once we get all that back from mom and all those results back, then we can uh, just review to make sure she would make a good donor. We send her um, instructions on how to clean her pump. And the only thing that we can provide moms is with the breastfeeding bags. So if she's pumping for the milk bank, we will provide her with the milk storage bags. And right. so that's what's involved with that. So, once, so she can actually be pumping and storing her milk as she's going through the screening process. We can actually take milk going back six months in time.
0: Okay. So if you
1: have a freezer full of milk, we will gladly take that.
0: Okay. So even, so if they pass, well, if they make, if they do all the steps to become a donor and everything comes back fine and they can do it, you'll actually take it from six months, backdate it, right?
1: That, so that's if, correct. Yes. Oh, that, that, that's fantastic because
0: I, we see lots of mums, you know, in our mama coach practices and they have Freezer fulls of milk, so wow. you know, <laughs> <They> um, <mean. laughs> these mums are, are something incredible. So, well,
1: that, and you that's can good imagine to know if you have a baby in the NICU, oftentimes. Uh, the only thing that these moms can do, or one of the only, only things these moms can do is pump for their baby.
0: And yeah. so they pump and they
1: pump and they pump. And then pretty soon they've got, like you said, freezers full of milk and there's no way their own baby will go through it. So a lot of these moms will go through the screening process and donate this milk to other babies that they see in the NICU. These moms get it and they're passionate and they, they want to help.
0: Yeah. So essentially it goes full circle, you know, they're a recipient and then they end up becoming a donor. Wow. Yeah.
1: Many of our donor moms, um, their own babies have used uh, donor milk, maybe only for a day or two until mom's own milk comes in. And they're just so grateful and um, that, you know, their baby uh, was able to receive this. And like you said, they just go, they pay it forward. And uh, it's wonderful. We have many moms who do that.
0: And so, like, I don't know if you can answer this, but like, how many donors do you have at a time donating milk?
1: Like, Well, it varies. Um, Last year, we had over just shy of 800 donors. Wow. um, Yeah. And the average donation was, um, I think it was 15 and a half liters. And so we asked for the four and a half, but as you can see, that... um, Moms donate a lot more than that, and some don't. Some some aren't even able to make it to the four and a half liters, but that's okay because even just one feed could help save a baby. Um, the one thing about donor human milk is it protects babies it really reduces the risk of them developing something called necroticizing enterocolitis, or NEC for short. And so we know that these babies that are born so premature and so fragile, they are susceptible to certain diseases, and one of those is NEC. And we know that if those babies receive donor human milk instead of formula in the very early days, it can reduce their chances of developing neck by up to 70%. And that is just huge. I mean, neck can be treated in two ways. It can, well, basically you can put a baby on antibiotics. And if that doesn't work, that baby could face um, life-saving surgeries by removing pieces of their infected intestines. And, and then of course what happens is they're facing lifelong anomalies so just by using donor milk it reduces the chance of this happening by 70%. So it's life-saving. It's it's not just a food. It's it's a medicine for these babies.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's a, such an important way to frame it is that it, it is so much more than just helping them grow, which is obviously so important, but yeah. it it's these babies are born so early and um this is a gift, you know. So it wow,
1: is. it is, and you know, it's if you can imagine. I mean, even seven, eight years ago, we would. I mean, you have to feed the baby, and the only alternative we had was was formula. And um, these babies are so fragile, and oftentimes, <clears throat> excuse me, their own um, their own system doesn't recognize cow's milk. And it um, doesn't do well with it. So by, <clears throat> excuse me, feeding them uh, donor human milk, which is much more easily digestible, and the baby is actually able to access all the nutrients. It's it's bioavailable to them. The babies just do so much better on that.
0: Wow. So what else does your charity do? You, um, at the milk bank.
1: Oh, we do lots of things. So we, we try to provide a lot of education to uh, physicians, to health care providers. <clears throat> Excuse me. We um, just going to take a drink of water here. Sure. <clears throat> <clears throat> we also provide free breastfeeding classes um, on a, several times per month. So um, typically to first-time mums, we have a breastfeeding cafe at the end of every month. And then what we try to do there is we um, bring in guest speakers. This Friday, we're having a physiotherapist come in to talk about pelvic floor health and before and after your baby's born. Last year, we had a sleep coach, um, a nurse who was a sleep coach. She came in and talked to mums. And, and while this is going on, we also provide uh, free lactation support services by our two um, lactation consultants who are IBCLCs. And it's just a chance for breastfeeding mums to get together and, uh, and to make new friends. And, um, and like I said, we provide a lot of education and, uh, we provide, um, breastfeeding to support not only to our donors, but to moms who may not be able to access help right away so they know they can come to the milk bank and get that help.
0: So amazing. Well, Jeanette, thank you so much for for sharing all of this information. And so if people want to find you, if if they're from Alberta and they're listening, they can go to your website. Um and if they want to find a milk bank in general, they can go to the the Human Milk Bank Banking Association of North America and we'll post both of those on yes,
1: that would be wonderful.
0: On, yeah. And so thank you for your time and, and for sharing. I'm, I, I'm going to come down myself and, um, we'll post some stories about it on my social feeds, uh, just because I think what you guys do there is, you know, pretty incredible. So thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Carrie. It was wonderful chatting with you today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Have a great day, everybody.
1: Thank you very much, Carrie. It was wonderful chatting with you today.